Good evening, everybody, and uh, welcome to our service, uh, both in the church and those who are watching online. Uh, we're pleased to have Mr. Scott McLeod uh, leading the service tonight. Uh, Scott is um, applying for the Free Church Ministry uh, and is currently um, getting experience of leading uh, services and preaching. Uh, it's my pleasure uh, to ask Scott to come forward and lead worship. Uh, thank you for your introduction and your warm welcome. Uh, thank you for having me down with you and allowing me to practice on you. Uh, we pray that as we gather together and we worship in the Lord's name, we'll be blessed together. May we join our hearts together in a word of prayer. Let us bow our heads and pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are gathered again in your name and that we can sing praises to you, the one who has set us free, the one in whom we rely upon, one in whom we put all our trust in. And Lord, we thank you for what you have done for us. We come before you, and maybe we feel ourselves unworthy. Maybe we feel ourselves that we have let you down, and that the sins within our hearts may consume us. And we feel at times that they overcome us, but yet we must come to your word, and the freedom we find in the promises of Christ, in the works of Christ, he is the one who has set us free. He is the one who takes these sins and parts them from us. He is the one who makes us white as snow and gives us garments of righteousness. To who else can we turn to? To whom else can we go? We thank you for your word. We thank you for all that it contains. May it be a guide for our lives. May we hold it up within our hands and value what we hold as great treasure treasure that surpasses the treasures of the world, and that we would lay hold of it, and that we would grapple with it and find the treasures that are hidden within the words, that Christ would become clearer to. And we pray for each one within this community, that they would see the beauty of Christ, that they would see the salvation that is to be found in Christ if they would only come to him, that they would give up relying on the ways of the world, that they would give up the desires of the world, so tempting as they are to each of us. Forgive us when we fall. But we put our trust in the one who did not fall. The devil came once to Eve and Adam, and they fell three times to Jesus, and he resisted. All temptation. He could not be tempted. He had a work to do in his father's, for his father. He was the great high priest that was sent to atone for the people that have been given to him. Lord, we pray, open eyes and open hearts of the many within this community, that they may seek things that are beyond this world, treasures that cannot be laid or bought. They would hold to the works of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray for every gospel effort made within this church. We pray for them. We pray for this congrega congregation that you would strengthen them, that they would give them a, a loving, that we would have a love for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, and that we know that we will be welcomed amongst each other, for we have the same love and the same desire, that we all hold fast to the one in whom we have found salvation in, the one in whom will, has kept us and will keep us as we journey through life, Whatever life holds for us, we all have our different experiences. None of us 
really, we really experience the same thing. But Lord, we pray through all these things, through our difficulties, through the challenges, through the heartache of life, that you would be there, being our comfort, our guide, and our shepherd for the way, leading us every step, even when we feel like we can't make a step, that you would be the one to take our hand as a loving father that knows what we require when we don't understand what we require when we don't understand what we need you are there that if we would only turn to you and ask you to have mercy on us and to remember us you do remember us you know us sitting down and our rising up you have counted all the hairs on our heads you know us deeper than we know ourselves and how we cannot even comprehend your knowledge and our knowledge seems so dim in comparison we will never fully understand all the glorious nature of your glory and holiness how holy 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 you are three times holy. lord help us to in measure taste that when we open up your scripture that your attributes would be revealed to us and that we would see the character of god the loving kindness of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, and all these things that are found in Christ Jesus, the one who died on the cross for us, the one who was willing to be that sacrificial lamb, the lamb that was slain, the blood that was spilled, the blood that was required as payment for sin. It has all been done in Christ Jesus. Everything was accomplished. And so it is not our works or our doings that grant us heavenly privileges but that the works of christ may we lay hold of them may we do our best to strive to understand you but our hearts would cling to you our love would burn for you like the two that walked the road to him that our hearts would did or not did not our hearts burn within us when we walked on the way and may that be true of the christian in their lives whatever their experiences even if it be in sadness that they would know the presence of Christ, maybe even after he has left, but that they would, not that he would leave us, but that the special revelation at times to us is treasured in a way that we remember and that we learn how good you are to us and that we look back on these times and say that our hearts not burn within. And so we have the confidence to continue because he will be there with us. Lord, we pray for those who are mourning, those who are grieved in their hearts for the loss of loved ones. Remember the family in Kyle Scaffold, that you would be with them and be their comforter, that they would know the God of all comfort, to be that good physician, to give them what they require. Lord, we pray that you would be with every word that we speak in our time together. Keep us from distraction, quiet in our hearts, as we turn them towards your word, as we turn towards your prayer, as we turn towards May you be revealed to us through your word. May your spirit be over us, blessing your word, making it alive to our hearts, convicting us of sin and converting men that lie in sin, encouraging the believer on the way. Lord, we thank you. You are the one that does not leave us nor forsake. And so, may you continue with us in the remainder of our worship. May we know that it was good to gather and that we would find food for our soul. And all these things we ask in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If we could turn together and read uh, from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, and we read from verse 11 down to verse 19.
Let us hear God's word. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And there's a wee note at the bottom, a footnote that says, uh, with regards to the last words of making him well, or has saved you. Your faith has saved you. May the reading of God's word be blessed to us. Well, if we could turn back together to the passage we read together, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, and we'll take us our verse tonight, uh, verse 15. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. Now, I'm sure we've all been thankful at some time or other in our lives. Now, what was the last thing you thanked someone for? When did you last say thank you? It might have just been coming in here this, this evening. Maybe someone gave you a birthday present. And of course you would say to them, well, thank you for your present. Maybe someone gave you something to eat. Maybe they gave you dinner. Maybe they gave you a cake. And of course you would say to them, thank you. Maybe someone helped you. Maybe someone gave you a hand lifting a box. Or maybe someone threw back a football that you had kicked over into their garden and thrown it back over the fence. But it's good to thank people, whatever it's for. It's good to show our appreciation to people when they do good things for us. It's important that we thank one another as well, especially when they help us, especially when they help us to do something that we couldn't do ourselves. Because sometimes, as we know in our lives, that when we don't thank people, it can hurt them. And some people may become sad or angry because we have forgotten to thank them because of what, something they have done for us. But there's a vast difference between thanking someone for giving you a cake and between thanking someone for when they help you and really help you. You know, imagine if you were stuck in a hole and you couldn't get out. Like Joseph when he was thrown into the dried well. You know, he couldn't get out. Imagine you were stuck and someone needs to help you. We have to admit that someone needs to help us. And that's when thank you becomes so deep to us. It's a deep appreciation of what they have done. It is a most sincere thank you. It is a heartfelt thanks. And often, because of what they have done for us, we want to give something back to them. You know, we, we probably can think of people in our own lives that have done something for us. And we can say, I don't know what I would have done without that person being there. And that person remains special to you for the care or consideration that they have shown 
to yourselves or myself. And we must, you know, we are mindful that in the different things that we do, we don't know how we can help one another. You know, someone might be struggling with something, and we don't know how even doing that little task for them may help until they say a thank you to us. But surely if we were to thank anyone, it must be God, especially if we are Christians. Not only because he has been so gracious to us in all that we have, and we acknowledge and count the blessings that he gives us, that he has revealed to us in Scripture. He has revealed to us Scripture to begin with, but he has revealed to us in Scripture salvation that he has done for us. And all these things are done for us. He has given us all these things and he gives us every breath that we have. And do we acknowledge all his goodness to us? Do we find our heart to be in tune with the psalmist of Psalm 40, where he, see, where he says, Your wondrous deeds and thoughts towards us, they're more than can be told. You know, if we could count every blessing that God gave to us and knew of all his gracious acts towards us and counted them one by one, I don't think we could be able to count them because he has done so much for us and we are left in wonder. And that's something of what happens in our account of the cleansing of the ten lepers. Jesus does the same miracle to the ten at the same time. But sadly, this great grace is only seems to have been realized by the one, the one man who came back to praise and thank Christ. So in our consideration of the passage, we'll take three points, beginning with the ten men, and then we'll look at the nine, and we'll call them the nine heads, and lastly, we'll look at the one, and we'll call him the one heart. So the ten men, the nine heads, and the one heart. So firstly, taking the ten, taking the whole group of lepers as we meet within our passage. What do they have in common? Well, we know that they are men who have lived out with the village or the town because of the ailment that they have. They would have already have been diagnosed by the priest as being unclean. Now you're having to live in isolation. Many of us know what that's like. Not to the extent of what these men experienced. And for having been declared unclean by the priest, having, been, uh, having this ailment of leprosy in their skin, they would have been considered by the Jewish people as having have considered a particular sin before God and now in his just punishment has given, has treated them with leprosy. And though they were considered last by men, they are the first to meet Christ because of their condition. Often that is the case in our lives. And they all come as one group with one request before this man Jesus. Here he has revealed that these men must have had some prior knowledge of Jesus. Jesus' name was not completely alien to them, even though they were in isolation. Nor were his works, nor was his ability to rid them of their leprosy. And it's a passing thought for us tonight, and maybe even a challenge, that of these men who had been isolated, the time of which we do not know, but it was probably a significant period, they were not involved in the hustle and bustle of the village life, but they knew about Jesus. They knew of his works, they knew of his power. And yet today, 
And maybe to our shame that there are many within our own villages who we come to in contact with, who are involved in our lives, and yet do not have a clear understanding of who Jesus really is. Even not understanding Jesus as much as these men did. These men had a flawed understanding of Jesus. But still, it was enough for them to shout out after him when times got desperate. There was no immediate impact made upon their lives. And we don't know, was there a lasting impact made upon their lives? We don't hear of them again. We don't hear of them coming back. But we do not know if they did. So then, being considered lepers, according to the law in Leviticus, it meant certain things for them. There's two chapters in Leviticus 13 and 14 that goes into explaining the rules of leprosy. One chapter for identifying and managing it, and then the second chapter is for dealing with the cleansing of leprosy. So what did it mean for these ten men? Well, according to chapter 13 and verse 45 onwards, it says they would be examined if they had any skin defects, and they would be sent away and re-examined if it wasn't clear. And then they would be pronounced unclean. And they were to live alone and be separate from the main body of people. They were to wear torn clothes. They were to let their hair hang loose. They were to cover their upper lip. And we think that's a moustache. Uh, predominantly male, uh, I think that would applies to. And maybe worst of all, what these men had to do was that they had to walk about saying, unclean, unclean. They had to keep uttering that word, these words, as they went about their duties. There was no escape from the fact of their ailment. They weren't able to hide it. They had, in fact, they had to declare it. And that goes completely against our nature. We're not naturally inclined to share our defects with people or our sins with people, or things that are wrong in our lives. But these men had to declare that they were unclean. And then it goes on to say, to cement the idea of the separation, it says bluntly, he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. You know, this is to make it absolutely clear they are to be separated from the people. Because you can imagine, you know, if one of your family members had uh, contracted some sort of skin disease, that intimate bond would have had to have been broken. And it was there just to say, he shall live alone. There's no other way around this. This is how it has to be managed. So the life for these men, it was pretty grim. It was pretty desperate. You can see that if there was any hope that they could lay upon, they would surely grasp it with both hands. And so, with the knowledge that they had of Jesus, and when he came to them, they shouted to him. And note that they stood at a distance because of their ailment. They lifted up their voice in a joint cry and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. We need help. We are in a desperate situation. Please relieve us of the difficulties that we are experiencing. In, in a sense, they're saying we are stuck in this hole and we can't get out. And often that's what's needed before we make that cry in our lives. Things have to get desperate. We have to realize that we can't do anything of ourselves. 
before we make that cry, Jesus have mercy on us. But the little knowledge of Jesus at that moment of desperation makes all the difference. To encourage you to speak a word about Jesus as we go about our lives as hard as it is to do. And I admit I am not the best at doing it. But the little knowledge that they had makes all the difference. And how many people have we seen depart from us? And we cannot but wonder, did they make that cry? The influence of sharing the gospel and the truth of Christ of others can be largely unknown to us. We don't know when a word may fall in season with a soul. And like the men here, the nine, though there is no immediate impact to be seen, the lasting impact is never known of what these nine men, did they ever come back? Did they ever come back and thank the Christ that healed them? The ten stand in a sense as ourselves as we are born into this world. Naturally sinful. We are no better than the other. Born of the same mould, weighed with the same plight of sin that robs us of any hope beyond the life that we have. And yes, we are separated from the presence of God. We are distanced. Maybe we are trapped in a fearful hit, fear, fearful pit that requires help. But mercifully and graciously, we are not out of reach of him hearing us when we make that call. Jesus will hear our prayerful heart when we call out to him. When we prayerfully shout with all sincerity to him, Jesus, Master, will you have mercy on me? The hope for the men was only in Christ. There was no other hope for them. And still this truth stands today, for you and for me, that he is our only hope. Christ is our only way for the man who wishes to be saved from the fearful pits that sin can drag us into. So the ten, there's one call, and the ten have a single reply from Jesus. And his response doesn't seem at all miraculous. You know, it says, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. That's it. They're probably expecting something to happen. But he says, go and see someone else. I wonder how they felt. Nothing special has happened. Nothing amazing has happened. There's been no big miracle like they've heard so much about this Jesus who can do all these miracles. But maybe they thought, well, yes, the priest has to declare me clean. And you know, they all went. And in a way, I can't believe they all went. But they did. And I suppose that tells us that how desperate the men were. You would have expected maybe a doubter amongst them. But they all went. They were all likewise in a hopeless situation. There was no other options. And they had to say to themselves, I must go. I have to go. Where else can I go? They all experienced grace. They had the same condition. Jesus spoke to them the same words. But there was a different effect between the nine and the one. And we ask ourselves, what is our condition today? We all ask ourselves that. Are we in need of a saviour? Are we in need of healing? Do we say in our hearts that I must listen to the word that God will speak to me? I have nowhere else to go. Whatever Jesus will say to me, I must obey it. And I must listen to his words. So let us look at the nine heads. And I'm calling them the nine heads 
because they reasoned things out. They obeyed the voice of Jesus. They heard the voice from a distance. Sadly, they never got any closer. Nine heads who thought it wise to follow the words of the good master. Nine minds who reasoned their chances. It made sense for them to go to the priests in order that they would be made clean. They're led, in a sense, by their law and not by the love of their hearts. And it's not an understanding that counts. Jesus does not say to us, believe in me because you can make sense of everything. He doesn't say to us, well done, good and understanding servant. Nor does he say, whatever you ask for in prayer, you will receive if it seems reasonable to you. He doesn't say any of that. We must have faith in these things, in Christ. And our understanding of Christ will always be limited while we are here on this world. There's an element of Christ's glory that is hidden from us. These men all left with a hope in the words of Christ. But I don't believe any of them expected to happen what did happen. As they went, they were healed. And I wondered what became of the nine. And when we read the passage, I may be guilty of just assuming that they went off in their own way. They were healed and they went back to their lives that they had known. We're not entirely sure. It doesn't tell us. But looking at it deeper, I believe they did exactly what Jesus told them to do. Go straight to the priest. Maybe they went shouting, I'm clean. I'm clean. Running to the priest, look at me. I'm clean. Pronounce me clean so that I can return to my life. I can get back to the things that I was doing. But you know what it says in Leviticus? He had to bring a sacrifice with him. So matter of fact, these nine would have been busy gathering what they needed to take as a sacrifice. They knew they were clean, but they had been caught up in what they had to do and what they had to bring to satisfy the rituals of the priests so they could return to their lives. You know, they had to bring birds, they had to bring cedar wood, scarlet yarn and hyssop. This was needed for the sacrifice before they were pronounced clean. They're doing what seems right and seems to be of their best understanding. And after they had done this, it wasn't until the seventh day that they were actually clean, or pronounced clean. And still there was a further eighth day that they had to make a sacrifice. So there's just big rituals surrounding a guilt and burnt offering that they needed to offer three male lambs and a grain offering on the eighth day. And I wonder, were they planning then to go back to see Jesus? They were allowed then to cut their hair, clean their clothes, have a wash. We don't know for sure. But one thing we do know is that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem at this point. This is the last few days of Jesus' life as he walks towards and approaches Jerusalem. And by the eighth day, Christ may have already been crucified. Maybe some of the nine men came to realize afterwards the sacrifice, not of the bird, not of the lambs that they brought, but the Christ who healed them and died on the cross for them as the lamb that poured out the blood the blood on the water of the bird had to be (coughs) sprinkled on them but the blood on the water of christ was poured out for them i wonder did any of them come back and praise god for all that he had done for them the cleansing not only of the body but of their soul as they trusted in him You know, we ourselves can be too busy to contemplate and consider the grace that is shown to us. 
We can be too busy to stop and consider what has been done for me. Rather, we are guilty of considering what we can do for ourselves, what we can do and how we can work things out. You know, the group would have kept each other going. You know, we're clean, we're clean. We'll, we'll gather these things that we need, caught up in all these requirements of the law and the sacrifices, distracted by a hope of a better life that they can now live, and all the while failing to grasp the true understanding and the outworking of Jesus Christ's word in their lives. You know, there's hundreds of men and women in this world that are running towards priests, thinking the priest can wash away their sins and make them clean, satisfying their reasonings and satisfying their conscience, I suppose. No man can do such a thing for you except the Christ. And it seems maybe that it's comparable to the the mighty clay of Psalm 40. You know, these things that people get caught up in and it weighs them down and it sticks them and they find it hard to walk and they need Christ to free them from it. They need to come to the true priest who will relieve them, the priest who can wash away their sins and the priest who can set them free. Are we like this? It's not beyond the Christian to be too busy in good works. We can be so tied up in the world, there's so many distractions for us that we don't stop and give thanks we don't pray like we ought to because we don't make the time to come and praise and thank the lord for what he has done for us you know we're busy understanding how we should do things how we should work things out in our own lives and maybe even in our churches that we don't bring our hearts back before god and seek him we're busy doing other things but really what we need to do Let's come back to the feet of Jesus, like Mary, and listen to what he's saying to us, and that then the Lord would bless us. Our love is so easily misplaced by the distractions set before us. Maybe we've heard Jesus speak to us before. Maybe we have kept walking away. Jesus asks, where have they gone? Where are the rest of them? Are you one of the nine? Why have you not come back? Where are you? Is what Jesus is asking. Will you come as you are? Stop trying to make yourself cleaner. Turn as you are. Turn today. And maybe you feel completely unprepared to turn towards Christ. Maybe you're feeling like inside you're a bit of a mess, as these men were on the outside. You know, their clothes were torn, their hair was long, and they didn't have any approval of the men around them. But regardless, we would turn back like the one who turned. And as the one that was taken from the fearful pit and taken from the mighty clay and finds salvation in Christ. You know, maybe he uttered in his heart the words that we sung, weak is the effort of my heart and cold my warmest thought. But when I see thee as thou art, I'll praise thee as I ought. Was that the words of the one heart? Let us look at this man briefly as we conclude. The one heart. He sees Christ as thou art, and I'll praise thee as I ought. It wasn't about him. He saw the beauty of Christ. He seen the miraculous effect of Jesus' word upon his fellow companions and then upon himself. And sometimes that's true of ourselves. We see Christ working in others, and others see Christ working in ourselves before we do. 
This man's mind went beyond his own ambitions and his own appearances. His conscience drove him back and his love drove him back. For that man, Jesus, there was a real power and a real authority revealed to him. And it didn't seem like it in the words that he spoke, but they came with power. These so few and unassuming words, but they came with a weight. And his outworking of his words are true to each of us. And still they are true to us today. And we can be guilty of reading the words of Scripture and not really grasping what has been said to us. And then other times we come back to it and we see, how did I miss that? See the beauty in that. See the promise in that part of Scripture. And we understand greater. But this man, he's understood that the words of God have a power. And the authority of the priest, the worldly priest, dwindles. See, once he is the one that truly fulfills Christ's words, he comes back to the true priest. He comes back to the one who is to make atonement before God. True atonement. He comes back praising God with a loud voice. Jesus has cleansed me. What more can the worldly priest do for me? He returns and falls at his feet giving thanks. He had a heart of thanks. His heart was sincere. His heart, he had that heartfelt thanks that we mentioned earlier when he couldn't do anything himself. But he was helped by Jesus and he couldn't forget. And he came back praising God because he wanted to give something back. And you can almost picture this man, you know, watching the others as they ran around collecting all those sacrifices that they needed. And he's there thinking, what are you doing? We need to return ourselves to Christ. Christ is the one who can clean us. He saw Christ beyond the law that was said before. Beyond the rituals and sacrifices. You know, whether he understood it or not, I don't believe he would have understood everything. But he went saying, this is my Lord, my life, my way, my end. The truth of his heart is seen in his actions. His heart and love for Christ overcomes the world. That's what happens. The word of God redirects us in our lives. That's why we must keep listening to it and coming back to it. Maybe even when everyone else is going the other way. That we listen to the voice of Jesus speaking to us. And what he is saying to each of us. That we would trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. And he just came back and gave You know, that man saved me. He had to go back. Like the person that had done something for us. When we couldn't do anything ourselves. That's what the Christian has in their hearts goes beyond that we've been saved from death we've been saved in eternal glory with christ jesus jesus has saved me and we thank him for it. we may not grasp everything we take ourselves to christ in faith acting in faith longing to be near jesus praising him and thanking him for all that he has done in our lives and we will not go far wrong if we keep our, our hearts close to jesus and beside jesus And we come to Jesus and fall at his feet, listening to his words and taking them as truth. We won't go wrong. And the Lord will bless us, as he did the one, for our faithfulness to him. Faith was his cure. It says that it has saved you. That's what it says at the end of the passage. Has made you well. And the faith the Christian has in Christ has saved them. And he was the only one to hear these words 
that your faith has made you well. And his turning was personal. As is their own. Their conversions to Christianity, to Christ, are personal. But it's a separation. It's a notable event to the others that are with us. And maybe the others are shouting after us, where are you going? Maybe they were shouting after him, where are you going? The Christian has to break the ties with the world. There's a separation because he ties himself to Christ. There's a separation either way. One went, one's followed the worldly ways and the others followed Christ. But only the one that followed Christ was truly healed and welcomed as a foreigner. And so he does for us. And that we can say before others, clean, clean by the blood of Christ. And though I am a foreigner of another land, he will welcome me as his own. I have dwelt in this land that is full of sin, but I will dwell in his country. He will take me to his country. He will take me there to his kingdom. My soul is secure in Christ Jesus, and there will never be a separation made there. We will be with him forever. He is the priest that will make atonement for our sins. That we would come to that priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, confessing our sins before him. And that we would be with Christ and consider before God without sin. And so enter into the glory. The glory of the separation from this world. A separation that we do not understand. It is far beyond the beauty that we can comprehend. But we're mindful that there is a separation either way. As was hammered home in the Levitical law, he must be separate. If the unclean one must be separate, it would have been so hard for them to separate from their loved one. And Christ has a love for each of us, that we would not be separated, that we would be with him in glory. It's a hard truth at times for us to understand. And it is laid out clearly for us in Scripture that there will be a separation made, but those who trust in Christ shall be in glory with him. And it says in Romans 10, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. May these thoughts be blessed to us. And may we be like the one heart. May we have that heart for Christ that comes and falls before his feet. Amen. Conclude with prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. We come to before you and thank you for this opportunity. We pray that your word would go with effect in our lives, effect in our hearts. Take root and grow and blossom like a flower the most beautiful flower that can, can blossom. Lord, we pray that you would lead us. Be our shepherd. Be the one to cleanse our hearts. And we come before you admitting that we need to be cleansed. And only by the blood of Christ can we be cleansed. We come and fall before the feet of the one who was crucified for and who asks, where are you? Where is the rest? I am waiting for you, he says. Will you not come? Lord, we thank that you would be the one to welcome us to your home and welcome us to glory and only by the works of God. May we understand these things and may we have a heart of love 
set before for these things in our lives, that the things of the world would not matter, and that we would leave them and be separated from them and cling to the one who is faithful to us. Lord, bless our thought and time together. Bless this congregation and the ministry that is uh, in this congregation. Forgive us our sins, we pray, and all these things we ask in your name, for your sake and glory. Amen. Thank you for coming this evening. Thank you for having me. I pray that we be blessed to each of us. And maybe I'll return one day. Thank you.